0: welcome to under the influence the podcast where we help chiropractors improve their communication skills so they can help more people and help people more i'm your host dr martin harvey i'm a chiropractor and i'm an expert in communicating the value of chiropractic today is all about managing communication situations or situations as it may be more appropriate for today where something happens that you want to kind of follow up on but you don't want to seem pushy. So what am I talking about here? Well, one of them comes from uh, Kieran, and he said, communication question for you. Been trying to follow your recommendation of keeping track of any time I get asked something and notice myself becoming uncomfortable. I think that's a great idea because that's really where the growth is. That's where we haven't kind of deconstructed something to have a strategy or an approach that is gonna work. Yesterday I was doing some post tests on a fairly newish client who runs a tiling business. He's had some great results with uh, low back pain, arm pain, balance issues, etc. And commented, "I should have all my workers coming in and to see you." Wow, what a great opportunity! Um, That's a great idea," I said, and then let the conversation die because I wasn't sure what to do next and didn't want to come across as pushy. Surely there was a better way of handling it. Yeah, and I think. There, there is a better way of handling it, but I also think there's an understandable reticence to coming across as pushy. Zoe Chance talks about um, the challenge with influence and um, getting people to make better quality decisions, and there's sort of two things that make it more difficult for some people to uh, communicate the value of chiropractic. The first one is caring people don't want to manipulate other people and they think that the only way to influence people's behavior is to sort of almost take over and manipulate it Um, there's also another aspect to it where intelligent people tend to misunderstand what really creates influence and believe it's just about creating a logical case whereas if you've been a listener to the podcast for a while you know that emotion trumps logic again in Zoe Chance's uh, parlance she talks about the gator brain trumping the judge brain that if something emotionally doesn't kind of feel quite right then uh, we need to um, then we're not going to do it even if the logic we can see is going to says that we're going to benefit so I think really good intuitive sense of why you don't want to be pushy because we know if we come across as pushy, we're likely to evoke reactance. And reactance is the term in the psychology literature where somebody feels that their right to make decisions, their free will, their autonomy is being impinged upon and they push back against it and choose not to do something even if logic dictates that they should. So that first intuitive sense of I don't want to be pushy I think that's a clever thing that's a, a, a good way of viewing the situation because coming across as pushy can ruin the relationship and that's not a good thing so I'm going to loop back in a minute and deconstruct this but I'm also going to deconstruct some other really common situations where this has come up um, one exemplar of it was that Mike uh, wrote in and said how do you handle that situation where you haven't seen somebody for a while and you run into them in the street? and They say something like, you know, I should come back in and see you, but you don't want to seem pushy and sort of get out your appointment book right there. Um, similar question uh, came from Anna. Um, what, what should I do if I'm in a social situation and somebody says I should come in and see you? Very sort of similar circumstance. Uh, and I also had a uh, a question from who was this from? From L, uh, who mentions that uh, she had a um, parent in, and the um, parent was talking about how their child was having recurrent um, chest infections, and she didn't know quite how to bring up that chiropractic might have been able to help. So common theme here where people are raising the possibility of something that we can see through our lens might benefit us. And we're also concerned that sometimes people say those things without necessarily meaning them or without necessarily wanting to follow through in the way that we might suggest. So how do we kind of tread that tricky line to both uh, make it more likely that they will take action but also honour their relationship and make sure that people don't feel like we are being pushy. So a couple of announcements. Um, The Certainty Workshop is up and live on the Thinkific platform. The link is in the show notes. The Certainty Workshop is kind of a a big undertaking in that it's not a passive, I'm just going to listen to Martin talk about certainty. It's really built on a number of exercises where you clarify exactly what your philosophical beliefs are around chiropractic. And then once you have them really dialed in, you then create a system in your practice where you translate them into your procedures. In between the procedures, you will define your paradigm, like a model of subluxation, and then the procedures that allow you to know whether somebody's getting better, whether somebody needs to be referred out, what kind of um, scheduling you should be doing for people. So uh, really compresses that growth in certainty that might happen over years into something that you can do in weeks or months. So if that sounds interesting, um, jump on the link in the show notes. Check out the free preview lessons and if it sounds like you, you can jump on and sign up for the full program. Um, Retention Recipe 2.0 is also up. I've spoken about that a bunch on the podcast, so I'm just going to let you know that it's a phenomenal way of setting up your communication for the first 12 visits so that you can set it up so people can see the value of ongoing care right from the very beginning. Again, the link is in the show notes. So what do we do with these situations? I'm gonna deal with Kieran's first because it's probably got more moving parts. It's a little bit more complex. And then I'm gonna come back and handle the other ones after that. So there's a couple of key things that we wanna be um, keeping in mind. I've mentioned it along the way, but the primary thing is we need to maintain the relationship. You see, retention and um, their progress and their engagement with you is really based on the relationship. No matter how great their clinical results, if they don't like you, they're probably not gonna be staying long. The second thing is that Ideas that come from them are more likely to be followed through. We have our perspective and our internal map of the way that we'd like things to go. But if that doesn't align with the way that they're seeing things go, in this scenario um, with Kieran, it's the one where the guy who's got the great results is contemplating whether he should send his team in to see you. Um, If the way that you think that that should happen... Um, is different to the way that he is. It's both not likely to happen, but it's also likely to for him to feel that, that his decision is being kind of taken over by you, that you're being pushy. Um, so if, as an example of that, he might be thinking, well, I'm thinking that I just need to uh recommend it to them i'm going to you know hand out your business cards and you might be seeing it as oh he's going to be bringing them all in and paying for them all and if you kind of go all right well let's get it set up um i can do i can come in on a day off and we can set them all up for first visit times and you know if you'd like i can just do one big invoice for everybody how many staff is it and go into one of those kind of assumptive closes that you think is fabulous because you're getting people through the door but you're kind of shitting the bed in a way because he's feeling like no that's not at all what uh, I wanted and the only way out of this is for me to not come anymore. Um, So second thing is make sure that the ideas come from them. The third thing is that in this situation but like any situation if people don't know the answer actually creates a knowledge gap where they're much more open to your suggestions. Um, so, the sequence that I might use for something like Kieran's situation where the guy has said something like, I want to bring my whole I think I should get my whole team to have chiropractic care. First of all, deal with the connection, relationship, emotional part. Wow, that's lovely. I'm really flattered. Thank you. And then we want to get the idea that might be in his head and like all questions, um, the best tone here is a curious tone rather than an inquisitorial tone. So he's just prompted something rather than you charging down a line of the way that you might see it. I would just say something like, hey, I'm curious, how would you sort of see that working? Or, you know, what do you feel like the next step is to see how that may work? Um, and then you'd leave a little bit of space for him to answer. So the good thing there is the, you get one of two things. The first one would be he has an idea of how it might work that you can then discuss and you've started a discussion or a conversation around it. Secondly, if he doesn't have any ideas, it's going to create that knowledge gap. Now, knowledge gaps are a really Powerful communication approach because our brains are basically puzzle-solving machines, and if we don't know the answer to something, it's sort of like this itch that won't go away. And so you have, we're much more predisposed to somebody scratching that itch. And in this scenario, because oh look, I hadn't really thought that far about it, um, you can have a follow-through of something like. Um, How about, you know, we make a time we can have a chat about it or if you've got an idea of, look, it could be as simple as us just setting up a a screening for everybody in your team where we can do a couple of these simple tests and ask them a couple of simple questions and see if they're um, somebody who wants to explore it further. Um, or you could even do something lower commitment and say, look, I've got a couple of ideas of how it might work. How about if I just jot them down in an email and shoot them through to you? How does that sound? Now, this last one, in many ways, we have something that doesn't have a defined path, like it doesn't have an established way that people come in and then bring their whole team in, um, The idea of using languages of jot down and shoot it through and those sort of things is that they're kind of low commitment they're they're getting him to take a step but not asking him to write a you know transfer the money for 20 staff to come in so getting people to take small steps is a really important way of getting them um, started but cialdini also talks about when people take a small step in one direction they're much more motivated to then subsequently take a large step. He talks in um, Influence about a study where they um, did, there, there were two groups. One group was asked to, people would go up to people and say essentially you know can I put a large neighbourhood watch sign like a six foot by four foot sign in your front yard about promoting neighbourhood watch and not surprisingly most people said no. But really interestingly, they could massively increase the number of people who would say yes if they had a small ask first. And the small ask was, look, would you be willing to just put this little sticker in the corner of your window there promoting um, this Neighbourhood Watch organisation? But then a week or two later, they came back and said, thanks for your support with the sticker campaign. Would you be willing to put a six by four sign in your front yard? a much higher proportion of people would because they were acting in consistency with previous behavior and that's a really powerful internal motivator for us. So if we loop back on this discussion around Kieran's issue absolutely primary thing is maintain the relationship and as part of that don't evoke reactants, don't come across as pushy. Second thing is I'll ask them what their sort of thoughts are. How were you seeing that I'm curious, how are you seeing that happen or what do you think the next step might be? And then the third step is uh, if they don't have an idea, you've opened a knowledge gap and you can then make the suggestion. Okay, so let's now apply this sort of group of ideas to the simpler situations. Um, Say, for instance, the one that Mike suggested regarding running into somebody in a social situation who wants to come, who said... I should come back in and see you. Um, Then uh, the first response would be sort of similar. We want to maintain the relationship. So that's a great idea. I'd love to have you come back into the office. Um, Really important here that we say something like this because we're seeing things from our perspective, which is, well, maybe they didn't get the big picture. Maybe they didn't get the results. Maybe they didn't see value in chiropractic or anything else. But sometimes people just got busy, and often, I mean, we've all probably had the experience where people do come back in, and they're really apologetic. Look, I'm sorry, I haven't been in, or um, they're they're almost questioning. Well, you know, am I allowed to come back in, seeing as I stopped coming when I shouldn't have? That sort of thing. So, they often have this sense that they've let you down, and you may want may not want them back. And so, being making sure that they... Uh, people part of it is managed first is really important. That's a great idea, I'd love to have you come back. We miss having you come into the practice. Um, And these situations are a bit simpler. There's really just one action to take part. So I'm not gonna use as many steps, but I'm gonna use a strategy that we've used in a lot of other difficult situations, and that's permission. So with permission in this scenario, I'd say, look, would it be okay if I made a suggestion? and when they say yes i'm going to give them a couple of options because when people have options they're much more likely to follow through look i could either ask caitlin to uh, give you a call to set up a time or i could just get her to shoot you a text with a link to the online booking and you know you can book a time that suits you Do, do either of those work for you and with this i'm essentially giving her two options that um, work for me, but also are going to leave her in control of whatever decision that she's made. In this scenario of somebody with a um, health complaint, that they um, they've got a uh, in this scenario a child who's getting recurrent chest infections. Again, this one's maybe a little bit more sensitive because we don't want to make them wrong for their decisions up till now. Um, so I'd say something like, would it be okay if I made a suggestion? And again, with all of those permission strategies, we've got to wait for the, the yes. Yes, yeah, people are often not aware of this, but that's an issue that we may be able to help with. Would you like to have a chat about it? Like I could give you a buzz... Uh, after I finish practice today and we can just maybe have a chat there's obviously you know no obligation but I thought it might be a useful resource in terms of getting Lockie back on track Um, and so again that both the tone here where we're kind of being a little bit soft in the way that we're answering it but also in um, giving them the option but and a little bit of space between the decision we're not basically doing this the close of I can help with that. Let's book Lachlan in. We can have him have you bring him back in later today. It, we avoid the possibility of coming across as pushy and evoking reactants. So there we have it. We have a bunch of uh, different interlocking strategies, really all based on that primary thing of preserving the relationship, combined with ideas around When people choose the action, when people come up with the idea, they're much more likely to follow through and we can frame our communication to make it easy for them to to be aware that they do have autonomy in their decision and that we're there to support. So thanks for listening to Under the Influence and I'll catch you again next week. If you like today's episode, then you will love the Retention Recipe 2.0. It's an online workshop that is broken into 33 lessons and has over seven hours of content, which will teach you to confidently communicate the value of proactive chiropractic in the first 12 visits. So, if we want to have long term retention, if we want people to stay with us for months, years, and reap the really amazing health benefits that happen with long-term chiropractic care, we need to set the foundation for that in the first 12 visits. So the approaches in the retention recipe 2.0 are based on state-of-the-art influence strategies that are effective, ethical, and they're enjoyable to use. They will help you to have more fun, less stress, and increase your retention, which means more practice growth and less always being on the hunt for new people. Check it out in the link in the show notes.